This is Lego Football. Ecco me, you're with David Farini. Let's review the weekend's action across Italy's top three divisions. We also pay tribute to some of Serie A's birthday boys. And then there's our upcoming Lega Football Calcio road trip. Some of the big talking points and some of the highlights from match day eight. That save from Falcone on Ocareke in Lecce up against Cremonese. Gianluca Caprari with a screamer. The Zambo Anguisa brace. Romagnoli gets his first goal. And how about that Zaccagni run as well for the Bianco Celeste. Juve are back on the winner's list with Milik's devastating volley. Sassuolo smash aside Salenitana as Lauriente gets his debut Serie A strike. Josh Doig, the 20-year-old Scotsman, gets another one. But it's not enough to stave off Udinese's advances. Udinese coming from behind yet again. And that Rafael Leao chip over Empoli's Guglielmo Vicario. Leao showing his pedigree up against one of the division's top goalkeepers. Moving on, aside from the lower division's review later in the show, let's get into Serie A. We saw a Serie A record beaten on match day eight. Behold, Ethan Ampadu, Spezia defender. He has set a new all-time record, managing to bring down Ciro Immobile and give away a penalty just 39 seconds into Lazio Spezia, taken from the Football Italy website by Susie Campanale. The Wales international lunged into Immobile moments after kickoff at the Stadio Olimpico. It was the earliest penalty in Serie A history, surpassing the 42 seconds it took former Milan defender Mattia De Chilio to foul Marek Hamzik and give away a spot kick against Napoli back in 2015. Ampadu is currently in his second Serie A stint after a spell at Venezia last season and remains on loan from Chelsea. No more double jeopardy in these situations now, so while De Chilio was sent off, Ampadu only got a yellow card for this. The Welshman has amassed 13 yellow cards and two reds in just 31 appearances in the Italian top flight. Hello and welcome to Lego Football Podcast. Well, we can't wait for our Lego football Serie A and Champions League road trip which begins on Saturday at the San Siro and winds up in Naples next Wednesday this is over match day nine more on that later on and speaking of Naples our Moscone moment of the week has to go to where's the drum roll is Ivan Juric the Torino coach for that reaction when Singo didn't get a free kick after Mario Rui made a bit of contact from behind the referee allowing play to continue and Ivan Juric with an overreaction to say the least but he is a competitor the former Verona allenatore with a few choice words for the referee Luca Massimi and if you don't know who Germano Mosconi is a former journalist and broadcaster who let his mouth run at the best of times when he got frustrated during live broadcasts and you can Look up those links on the YouTube platform and you could probably scroll up and down our Twitter feed to find a few others. Also, we've got a Moscone special on the Lega Football YouTube platform. And that's where match day eight began at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Another win for the undefeated Partenope. They stay at the top of the table after a 3-1 win over Torino. And joining me now from Milan is fellow commentator David Windsor, who called this one another epic win for Napoli, David. But did the scoreline reflect the true nature of the game? Napoli thoroughly deserved the victory and they deserved it really for the way they started the game. 
They came out of the block so, so quickly, got a couple of goals in the first 12 minutes. They're pressing high up the pitch and you could see that Spalletti wanted this done and dusted by half-time. And indeed, it was done and dusted by half-time. Zombo and Gisa with a couple of goals. Not really known for his goal scoring over the years on Gisa. I don't think he ever scored at Marseille, didn't net for Fulham either. But he's got three in all competitions for Napoli and it's going to be very interesting to see if that's a, an additional element to on Gisa's game. But Napoli were really superb. It was fascinating to see Raspadori play in that front three and Raspadori just dropping off back into the midfield, which just allowed Kvaratselia, who scored his fifth goal of the season, and Politano to push on. So really interesting dynamic there. And Lobotka, in my opinion, one of the most underrated players in, in the league. So yeah, Napoli were, were fully in control. They scored three goals in the first half. Sanabria did score just before the halftime whistle, but this was plain sailing for Napoli. Another big win. And that's not to say that Torino didn't have chances in this game. Napoli were able to take their foot off the gas. Should the Partenope fans start getting excited? Listen, they started last year so well and, of course, faded in the kind of the final quarter of the season. So I don't think Napoli fans are going to be too carried away. But look at the table. It doesn't lie. Napoli level on points with Atalanta at the top. Well, it's always tough visiting the Maradona to take on Napoli. They look stronger than last season. How about Torino? Do you think they could finish in the top half? Torino, well, they were just poor, to be honest. I think they were rattled by the way Napoli started the game and they just struggled to get going. You felt as though that goal from Sanabria just before half-time maybe would have given them a bit of impetus in the second half. And they were better in the second period, but really it was a bit of a dead rubber the second 45 minutes because Napoli knew they'd got the game won. Torino were just poor in the centre of the park. They allowed Zielinski and Lobotka to control the game and Ogisa, of course, with his couple of goals. So... It was a really disappointing performance, I think, from Torino. But I think we've seen enough from them this season to suggest that a top half finish is very much within their capacity. And given that the game was on a Saturday, it gives plenty of time for Spalletti to recover. They came out, they got their three goals, they sat back and took the victory. Their fast start over the Granata allowed them to sit back and conserve some energy for the upcoming tie against Ajax, which is actually tonight. I think in terms of Napoli's game against Ajax in the Champions League, it was really interesting to see just how much intensity there was in that first half. Clearly, the idea was to get things done and Spalletti did indeed take off a lot of players in the second half. Resting and rotating is such a long season. And, and Napoli performed so well in the Champions League as well. I mean, they're top of their group with two wins from two, a group that on paper looked really, really difficult with Liverpool, Ajax and Rangers. The job's not completely done, but if Napoli are to beat Ajax, um, you know, away from home, then, then they've got a really good chance of qualifying. And then in fact, they'll be in pole position to qualify from that group. So yeah, I think there's, there's always going to be a balancing act from, from Spalletti and Napoli. Uh, and at the moment, they're firing on all cylinders. Summed up beautifully by David Windsor, Serie A wealthy commentator and Lega football contributor. And you can find David at David T. Windsor on Twitter. And joining Napoli at the summit of Serie A is Atalanta. Gasparini's side getting the job done. It was Lukman again, a 59th minute goal. It was the only one of the match. They're in second place technically, thanks to goal difference. Plus nine for Atalanta, plus 12 for Napoli, both on 20 points. Fiorentina with his loss stay at bottom half of the table with nine points. Torino, despite their loss, stay above the Viola. Atalanta now with two wins on the trot, still undefeated since the season's start. They got a underway with a 2-0 win away in Genoa against Sampdoria. Simply getting the job done, they were able to stave off Milan with a 1-1 draw. The only other hiccup was the draw at home against Cremonese. But like Napoli, they have beaten Torino three goals to one. And that's the second clean sheet 
in a row for Atalanta after the 1-0 away win in Rome. Fiorentina with high hopes after their 2-0 win over Verona before the international break. Losing to Atalanta is no disgrace though. But still, Vincenzo Italiano's side with just two wins in Serie A this season will go to third place. And this is Udinese who are still up there. Their third consecutive win coming from behind. This time, Verona the victims. And Josh Doig, the Scotsman, for Verona, a new signing. He was given the left wing position as Lazovic switched over to the right for Verona. Their captain, still unavailable, Faraone. But Beto came off the bench and equalized. Dialofeo, the architect of that goal, and Biol in the 93rd minute for Lezebrete. They go to 19 points. And they have the same goal difference as Atalanta. So there's no fluke here. And we all saw they scored the first goal of the season that was at the San Siro against Milan through Rodrigo Bacal. And that was the only loss that they have suffered. And they stumbled against Salernitana on match day two. But since then, it's now six consecutive wins to be the most informed side in the competition. Andrea Sotil also named coach of Serie A for the month of September. And I might just give a quick shout out to Kim Min Jae, the Napoli defender named Player of the Month for Serie A. As for Verona, that's three on the trot, three losses. The yellow-blue in 18th spot above Cremonese and Samp. Well, next we'll jump to Lazio. They hold fourth position in the Classifica. Equal points with Milan on 17, but technically in fourth spot. Mattia Zaccagni, as we mentioned at the top of the show, that superb run and finish from him in the 12th minute. He opened the scoring against the Aquilotti before Alessio Romagnoli scored his first ever goal for Lazio, a superb left foot volley from outside the box. But their talisman is definitely Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Two goals for him. We might just mention Ciro Immobile, who was brought down by Ethan Ampadu. Couldn't convert that penalty. Skied it high over the crossbar. Could have been worse for Spezia. But capolavoro for Lazio and Maurizio Sarri. Spezia now in 12th position on eight points. Lazio have only lost the one match that was at home to Napoli. And apart from that blemish against Mitilan in the Europa League, they have now won four games in a row in the Italian top flight. For Spezia, the two wins, one against Empoli and one against Sampdoria. Next, we'll go to Tuscany for the match on Saturday night. It was Empoli up against Milan and it looks set for a draw after that spectacular equaliser from Nedim Bayrami. He was able to achieve something that Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't able to in his time in Italy and that was that finessed free kick into the corner that kind of dips and swerves. Of course, prior to the Bayrami goal, Rebic opened the scoring. Bayrami then setting the Castellani alight in the 92nd before just a minute later, Balotore with his first goal ever for the Rossoneri, finishing off a first-time volley off a Krunic header. And then the elegance of Rafael Leao in the 96th minute. No one could catch him as soon as the ball was played through to him as Empoli were pressing for a 2-2 equaliser. The ball played through over halfway. Rafael Leao with too much pace and a posh finish, it must be said. Over the top of Guglielmo Vicario, one of the best keepers in the league, had no chance. Leao now reaffirming himself as one of the top strikers in the world, showing off his Rossoneri pedigree. Milan in fifth on 17 points. Empoli, Empoli stay in 15th place on seven points. Next up was Roma's trip to Inter Milan. The Giallorossi, victorious, three points. They go to Jose Mourinho, the former Inter coach. The pressure now on Simone Inzaghi 
but his side took the lead through Federico Di Marco, who is in magnificent form after scoring for his nation. But the man that they let get away in the summer, Paolo Dybala, spectacular finish for 1-1 off a Spinazzola ball into the area. That came in the 39th minute, was 1-1 at the break. A tense second half, all the way up to a set piece taken by Roma captain Lorenzo Pellegrini delivered into a dangerous area where Chris Smalling was waiting to thump home a header and the winner. That leaves Inter in ninth place on 12 points, Roma on 16 points and keep touch with the top three. Criticism really starting to pour in for the Nerazzurri here. Their last win was against Victoria Pilsen. They've since lost to Udinese away and now Roma at home. Next up is Barcelona. Their wins in Serie A coming against Lecce, Spezia, Cremonese and a home win against Torino at the death. But the bigger tests against Lazio, Milan, Bayern Munich, Udinese and Roma. They have been unable to take anything from those games. As for Mourinho's mob, well, they've been deadly. Gorgeous finish by Dybala. A great response to the loss at home against Atalanta. And now they'll take on Real Betis in the Europa League. Well, next we'll go to Torino, but it's for the Bianconeri, the old lady with a 3-0 win over Bologna. Philip Kostic opening the scoring. His first goal since moving over from Eintracht Frankfurt. After the break, Vlaovic doubled the lead. The Serbian with his fifth goal. But the goal of the game was Arek Milik, Juve's new attacking signing. More or less replacing Dybala, striking his third Serie A goal for the season since moving over from Ligue 1, leaving Marseille. Juventus into seventh. Bologna with their new coach, Thiago Motta. They were outplayed all game. They've been in poor form, perhaps a gift for Max Allegri to have Bologna at this point of the season. They've let go of Sinisa Mihalovic, and the only positive for the Rosso Blue so far has been Marko Arnautovic, who was deprived of service for most of this game. His last goal now coming against Fiorentina in Bologna's 2-1 win at the Renato del Ara on match day six. The Città del Tricolore, the Mape Stadium, was treated to five goals from Sassuolo, including that deadly finish from Lariente, scoring his debut goal in the league. That came in the 12th minute. Pinamonti got on the score sheet via the spot in the 39th. Thorsvet, who supplied Lariente for that first goal, also with a goal. Harui in the 76th minute. And Antiste, who's come over from Spezia in the summer in the 92nd minute. Selenitana with no answers. Take a moment to think of Luigi Seppe in goal there. Sassuolo with two wins on the trot, their second successive clean sheet as well. In fact, that's four clean sheets for them from their last five. It was only Udinese that were able to find the back of the net and score goals past Andrea Consigli, and they are equal with Inter Milan on 12 points. And these two sides, as I said before, will play each other this coming weekend. As for Selenitana, perhaps this result brings back memories of match day 38 from last season, that horrible 4-0 loss. However, that one was at home, but after a decent start, start with a win and a draw in their first three. It's now five games without victory. The two sides that were promoted from Serie B last season faced off. This was at the Comunale Via del Mare in Lecce. The score ending 1-1, both goals coming from the penalty spot. Remonese taking the away lead in the 19th minute through Ciofani. And then Strefezza in the 42nd minute calmly dispatched, sending Radu the wrong way. One of the highlights of Serie A over the weekend was the save from Vladimiro Falcone, the Lecce goalkeeper on David Okereke. The Nigerian striker, it looked a certain goal, but it was a reaction save that most goalkeepers would have been proud of. Make sure you check that one out. It's on the Serie A YouTube channel. Lecce goes to seven points with this result in 13th spot behind Spezia. They are equal on seven with Salernitana, Empoli, 
and Monza with the one point Cremonese moves away. There's some separation between them and Sampdoria. Three points now for Cremonese, two points for the Blue Cercati. And speaking of Monza, they took Sampdoria down at the Luigi Ferraris. A landmark moment for them, their second win on the trot after defeating Juventus. Matteo Pessina with his first goal in Serie A for Monza. It's also Gianluca Caprari's first for his new side. And Caprari is amongst the top five goals of the weekend, which you can also see on the Serie A channel. A stunning volley from an angle. And it's a case of the ex, Lex Stefano Sensi, scoring against Sampdoria. Where he spent the last six months of last season on loan from Inter before moving to Monza in the summer. And it's a case of sliding doors now for these two coaches as Giampaolo is sacked by Sampdoria and Raffaele Palladino will undoubtedly get an extension as he's taken over from Giovanni Stroppa before the international break. His debut game in charge since leaving the Monza under-19s for the senior side was that win against Juventus at the Brianteo Upawa Stadium. Now he has an away win, an emphatic one. The Brianzoli now three games undefeated after a horrible start that saw them lose all of their first five Serie A matches. For Sampdoria, just the two points for them. Both of those points coming at home against Juventus and Lazio. But they have been on the receiving end of a couple of spankings, losing away at Salernitana 4-0. The only highlight for them this season was the Coppa Italia victory over Regina back in very early August. But they will have the opportunity to redeem themselves. We'll see who's brought in. Ranieri is one name linked, as is Roberto Daversa, as he's still under contract. He was relieved of his duties for Giampaolo towards the end of last season. But this result is seen as nothing less than humiliation by the Blue Cercati fans, losing at home against a newly promoted side. For now, it will be the Primavera coach Felice Tufano, who will become the interim manager. The club in a little bit of disarray, considering that Massimo Ferrero was arrested last year. Former Sheik Altani is reportedly in talks to buy the club. We'll see how the Samp saga pans out. Definitely the low point of Sampdoria's existence since their promotion from Serie B. But let's focus on the positives. Monza with a record-breaking weekend for them. Their biggest win in first division history. So looking ahead to match day nine, Saturday sees Sassuolo against Inter Milan, AC Milan, Juventus at the San Siro. Bologna takes on Sampdoria in the night game. On Sunday, Torino meets Empoli. Monza takes on Spezia. Verona goes away to Salernitana. It's second versus third as Udinese hosts Atalanta. League leaders Napoli will travel north to Cremona to take on Cremonese. Roma hosts Lecce. And on Monday, one of the games of the round is Fiorentina-Lazio. This is Lega Football. Well, Milan, they're still in party mode after winning their first Scudetto since 2011. And on the weekend, they continued the celebrations with a stoppage time win over Empoli. Two goals after Berami hit that sensational free kick. We saw the eventual winning goals from Baloture and Rafael Leao. So he's leading the charge for the Rossoneri these days. But there was two or three birthday boys over the past few days, ex-Milan people. We're going to start with Andrei Shevchenko and give him a birthday shout out. The Ukrainian arriving in Lombardia in the capital back in July 1999 from Dynamo Kiev. And that was for a record fee of 24 million euros. And this is taken from the Football Italia website. Apollo Hayes 
the author here. Life started well in Milan for Shevchenko, netting 24 times in 32 Serie A appearances in his debut season. He proved his qualities on the highest stage in Europe back then. He then netted seven goals in his first seven domestic outings, including a hat-trick against Lazio, who eventually would go on to win the Scudetto that year when Shevchenko joined the Italian league. His second season with Milan was equally prolific, 24 goals in 34 league games, and he also found more success in the Champions League, scoring five across 12 matches. His efforts were finally rewarded in the 2002-2003 season. The Rossoneri lifted both the Champions League and the Coppa Italia, finally giving Sheva the winner's medal he deserved. A year later, he eventually lifted his first Scudetto, writing him into Milan's history books and giving him the league winner's medal that was emblematic of his time in the Lombardia Capitale. In the latter stages of 2004, he also won the Ballon d'Or, becoming the first Ukrainian to receive the award. So a landmark moment, not just for Shevchenko, but also his home nation of Ukraine. His final three years with the Rossoneri saw him score 24 in 32, 17 in 29, and 19 in 28 matches, remaining prolific, dangerous, such a striker with a clear eye for goal. He was an icon of that Milan side at the turn of the century, and he became an idol to budding young forwards across Europe who were keen to try and replicate his on-pitch exploits. In total, Shevchenko, our birthday boy this week, turning 46, made 322 appearances across all competitions for Milan, scoring 175 goals for the club. He remains a fan favorite. He was recently in Milan signing some Milan shirts and one of our listeners, Sam from Australia was there. So he remains a fan favorite at the club. And despite the difficulties of the latter stages of his career, the streets of Milan will never forget their beast from the east. But the birthday celebrations don't stop there for the Rossoneri. Frank Rijkaard, part of the invincible side under Saki and Capello, he turned 60. While Sheva's birthday is on the 29th of September, Frank Rijkaard's birthday is on the 30th. Known as the Dutch Devil for Milan, another article by Apollo Hayes on the footballitalia.net website. One of three Dutch players who shined in Milan in the late 1980s and early 1990s. The Dutchman spent five glorious years of his career with the Rossoneri from 1988 until 1993, proving himself to be one of the best midfielders in the world during this period, joining compatriots Marco van Basten and Ruud Hullet in Milan. Rijkaard was a key figure under both Saki and Capello, as mentioned already. He broke into the Ajax first team in August of 1980, a rock-solid feature in the center of defense. He spent seven years with Ajax. He won three titles, three Dutch Cups, and a European Cup Winners' Cup, becoming a star in the Eredivisie. But to Milan's advantage, a breakdown of relations with coach Johan Cruyff in 1987 allowed him to leave. He joined Sporting and then Real Zaragoza before finding his footing with Milan. Saki had to fight to sign Rijkaard with then-president Silvio Berlusconi. But eventually, the Italian coach won the argument and the Dutchman eventually arrived. Saki transformed Rijkaard from a top centre-back to one of the best and most feared holding midfielders on the planet, shining as a mezzala as well, or central midfielder in a dominant Milan side. He was an incredibly smart and classy player, reading the game like no other. 
Spending five years with Milan, he was a key part of that side that won two Scudetti, two European Cups, now known as the Champions League, and two Intercontinental Cups, now known as the FIFA World Club Cup. 201 appearances for Rijkaard across all competitions for Milan, scoring 26 goals and providing 25 assists, an incredible spell in Lombardia. So happy birthday, buon compleanno to Frank Rijkaard. But there is one more birthday and I'm going to refer to an article by Daniele Veri for BBC Sport. And this is on our oldest birthday boy of the week, former Milan president, now Monza owner. It's Silvio Berlusconi turning 86 years of age. Auguri Silvio. He's back to entertain the masses in Italy's top division. The former Italy prime minister and his old AC Milan cohort, Adriano Galliani, have already helped make history at Monza who got another win, their third consecutive positive result in Serie A. They're now up to seven points. But the club's president and chief executive officer are not ready to stop there. After guiding the club to Serie A promotion for the first time in their 110-year existence, Giovanni Stroppa has already been sacked by the ambitious duo after just one point from six matches. And his replacement is the Serie A newcomer, Raffaele Palladino. He enjoyed a dream start with victory over Juventus and then... Also, another one over Sampdoria. Huge ambitions for Berlusconi at this club. Monza is situated just 12 miles northeast of Milan. It's best known for the home of the Italian Formula One. But it now has a football team with big, big ambitions, courtesy of the millions of euros and contacts that Berlusconi brings. He oversaw five Champions League titles and eight Serie A Scudetti as Milan owner between 1986 and 2017. And Galliani, his former chief executive at the Rossoneri, have already taken their new club from Serie C to Serie A. It's emblematic that Berlusconi and Galliani were able to take Milan from a competitive first division Italian side all the way to becoming European champions. And now it's a similar situation in Monza where they've taken a third division club all the way to being more than competitive, we can say now, in Serie A. It took four years for Monza to become the force that they are now in financial investment of about 70 million euros. And that allowed them to clinch Serie A promotion through their playoff win against Pisa back in May. Berlusconi declaring our next goals to winning the league title and to qualify for the Champions League. So we'll see how that pans out this season. Obviously, it's a long-term goal and it could see Berlusconi approach his 90s. So now with Raffaele Palladino at the helm, his task is to reignite Monza's season and he's done so with two wins from two games. So has Berlusconi found another gem? Well, Daniele Veri asked that question when Saki was appointed Milan boss by Berlusconi in 1987. He had never managed in Serie A previously, only having ever played amateur football. He went on to win eight trophies in four seasons with the club, including Serie A and the two European trophies. It was a controversial appointment back then. It was also a similar situation with a controversial appointment that followed Saki with managerial novice Capello, who was handed the reins after a stint with Milan's youth teams. His tenure brought four more league titles and another European Cup. Berlusconi's claim back then in 1995 was that he was simply an entrepreneur who does miracles. Palladino actually arrived at Monza as a player in 2019 but was plagued by injuries and was forced into retirement. He stayed on at the club as an under-15s coach and then climbed the ladder to the under-19s 
and now is the boss of the senior team following Stropper's departure. So it's a beginning that bodes well for Berlusconi at 86 now. He has not lost his nose for picking the most unexpected people for the most difficult tasks. And Palladino and Monza might have just started writing the next chapter in their successful football story. Auguri to Mr. Berlusconi, 86 years of age from the Lega Football Podcast. So let's go to Serie B and it's all about Bari at the moment. You could call them Bari Lona, I guess. Excuse the poor taste and the pun, but what a win that was over Brescia. Six goals to two, and it is Walid Kedira. He's going from strength to strength and leading this Bari team up into the joint leader position in Serie A2. They share that lead with Regina and Brescia, and Bari in a very, very good patch of form. They are still the only side to be undefeated in Serie B. 16 goals scored, eight conceded, a plus eight goal difference, only bettered by Super Pippo's Regina with a plus 11 goal difference, but Regina actually went down away at Modena over the weekend. We'll start our match day seven Serie B review with Cosenza and Como. A 3-1 win for the Lupi. Como are really struggling this season, even though they brought in the likes of Sesc Fabregas, who has been the captain. It was Durso, Rigione and Meroni with the killer blows for Cosenza at the San Vito Luigi Marulla. Vignali getting the goal to bring it back to 2-1 for Como, but eventually the 3-1 win that sees Cosenza up into the top eight. Big things from Davide Dionigi, who now leads Cosenza, giving the exit from Pierpaolo Bisoli, who's now in charge of Sutirol. Cosenza now with three wins in eighth position, but that is their first win in five games. Como sits bottom in 20th position. Bari was our first game on Saturday. It all started with Michael Folaruncho in the seventh minute. It finished with Scheidler in the 77th. It was 6-0 up until then. Brescia eventually replying through Olze and Moreo in the 86th and 91st minutes. Kedira with a brace. Bellomo Antenucci also getting on the score sheet. Capolavoro from the Bari coach Michele Mignani. The only club in Serie A2 that hasn't lost a game. Impressive stuff from the team from Puglia, who have only just been promoted from the third division. And they have hauled themselves up into, well, technically it's second place, but joint leaders with Regina and Brescia. Obviously, Bari beating Brescia on the weekend. So Brescia lost on the weekend, as did Regina Modena, taking down the Calabrese side. And it was only their second win They've lost five of their seven matches. They've been able to defend well enough at this point in the season. They've only conceded nine times. They've scored seven. And that seventh goal of their season was the winner, Davide Dior, the 30-year-old Italian. His first season with Modena since leaving Vicenza. He got seven goals last term. Another big, big result on the weekend was Venezia's trip away at Cagliari. In Sardinia, a 4-1 win for the Venetians. A big response from Ceccaroni's men. The win now takes Venezia up into 13th place with eight points. That's their second win of the season. Cagliari were winning through Mancosu. It was 1-0 at the break in Venezia with a massive response through Poyampolo in the 50th minute. Cherishev with a brace in the 64th and 66th. They turned it around totally. And then Rigsiano Haps finished off Cagliari 
at the Unipol Domus for a 4-1 win. Fabio Liverani not having the best of times at the helm of Cagliari. The Sardinians now slip down to ninth place. That's two losses in a row. Ternana continue their fine season with a fourth win. This time it's over Cittadella. It was away in Veneto as well. That's their third win on the trots. That's only matched by Bari. So Ternana looking good. A 2-0 win thanks to Palumbo and Mamadou Koulibaly. Cittadella now down into 15th place. Also on eight points alongside Venezia. Palermo suffering at the hands of fellow newly promoted side Sud Tirol. That was at the Renzo Barbera. A 1-0 away win thanks to the 20th minute winner from Rafael Odogu. His third season for the side from Bolzano. His second of this campaign. He also scored against Venezia earlier in the season. 11 Italians started for Sutirol on the weekend. They've got Bisoli there with Greco. So it's a, a duo role there, you could say, for Eugenio Corini and Palermo. They've got the firepower with Di Mariano. They've got Elia, Floriano and Brunori. So a new look, Palermo side. A lot of new signings for Sutirol as well. But they do like to stick with that Italian flavour. If you actually look at their team lineups, there's 11 that started for them and every single player on the bench has an Italian flag next to their name. Not to say that other sides in Serie B don't promote Italian players. They certainly do. Palermo only starting with three non-Italians in their 11. We love our foreign players regardless in the Italian first, second and third divisions. Now this win for Sutirol propels them up into 10th position. And a month ago, most people were just assuming that that the season was already over for them. They now sit three points above Palermo, who are in 16th with seven points. So that is effectively the playout zone. But that's four positive results for Sutirol in their last four, three wins and a draw. So plenty happening across the Italian second division. Parma took down Frosinone. This game was played in Parma at the Stadio Ennio Tardini. Tutino from the penalty spot and Dennis Mann also from the penalty spot. Luca Moro pulling one back in the 81st, but not enough for Frosinone, who have now been pegged this pair of clubs, both with 12 points. Now Frosinone in sixth, Parma in seventh. So Fabio Grosso and Fabio Pecchia are getting the job done for both of their clubs. Plenty of new faces at Frosinone. Frabotta in at left back. There's also Lucioni that's joined in the summer alongside Caso and Mulattieri. For Parma, one of their newer faces, you could say. This new face I'm talking about is a very young Italian-Australian defender, Alessandro Circati, also called up to the Italian under-21 squad. But that forward line is irrepressible. Vasquez, Inglese, Tutino, Estevez and Juric in the double pivot. And the depth on the bench with Som, Dennis Mann, Cicizola is there as well, who actually got a run off the bench in the 91st minute for Buffon. The likes of Charpentier as well with Balo. Christian Ansaldi also now with Parma. So full steam ahead, let's move on with the other three Serie B matches from the weekend. Genoa with an away win over Spal, a 2-0 win. Massimo Corda on the score sheet and Goodmanson. Spal now sit in 11th place on nine points, while Genoa go up into fourth with 14. That's Genoa's second win on the trot. Spal are in 11th place on nine points and they're looking okay. It's definitely an improvement on last season. Perugia 1, Pisa 3. And a symbolic moment for Pisa. That's their first win of this season, and it came at the hands of struggling Perugia. 
Liozzi with a brace in this one, Di Carmene for Perugia, and also Indrisa Ture for the Nerazzurri, wrapped it up in the 91st minute, but it was 1-1 until the 88th when Liozzi scored and converted the penalty. Pisa occupying 18th, Perugia in 19th, and the only match played on Sunday in Serie B was Benevento 1, Ascoli 1, Botteguin opened for the away side in the 6th minute. Diego Farias in the 48th minute for Benevento earned them a point and uh, now these two sides are also bottom half of the table. Quite surprisingly for both sides actually because they both finished in the top 8 in the playoff region last season. But it is early days, only 7 matches played in the 2nd division and just a reminder they will be playing the Serie B season throughout the World Cup. So a couple of games to watch out for in Serie B this coming weekend. Friday night is Genoa and Cagliari, a clash of last season's Serie A sides. Brescia take on Cittadella on Saturday afternoon. There's also Ternana and Palermo. That's a spicy one. Venezia and Bari will finish off on Sunday with Como Perugia and Sutirol who hosts Beneventos. And for those of you who are pumped, for Serie C Lega Pro action on the back of the interview with Andy Wallace, also known as Chiacchierata Calcistica. Andy joined me last week for a chat about Serie C in the first five match days. Since then, we've seen match day six. I'll go to Andy's Twitter feed for this, the Serie C overview. In Group A, Novara romped to top spot after Padova Feralpi Salo draw. In Group B, Siena and Gubbio win big away to leapfrog humbled Reggiana. And in Group C, it's Catanzaro, who are magic, Rotone, lethargic, and Foggia is tragic. Piacenza, Alessandria, and Viterbese really are as bad as their points tallies suggest. Plenty of goals across the divisions, though. Pescara 2, Monterosi 2, Viterbese 1, Latina 5, and Messina won their first match. That was in Group C, so congratulations to the Sicilians. Catanzaro and Crotone lead that division on 16 points. Girone Bisi's Siena on top with Gubbio with 14 points. And Novara leads Girone A, 14 points for the ex Serie A club. So they were able to leap above Padova and Ferrari Salò, who stay on 13 after their draw. And good luck to all the Italian clubs that will contest their European UEFA competition games. It's Ajax Napoli, Inter Barcelona, Chelsea, Milan and Juventus Maccabi Haifa in the Champions League. Thursday, we'll see Europa League and Conference League action. It's Roma who hosts Betis, Sturm Graz against Lazio and Fiorentina travels to Scotland to take on Hearts. In regard to match day nine, the next Lega Football podcast that's scheduled, we're going to be on site all weekend. We're going to three different Serie A matches, starting with Milan-Juventus, then following up with Cremonese-Napoli on the Sunday, and then heading down to Florence for Fiorentina-Lazio. And we're going to actually finish off our mini tour of Calcio in Naples with the Champions League on Wednesday. It's Napoli who hosts Ajax. I'll be heading down there with football journalist and fellow Lego football contributor Emmett Gates and a small party of devoted calcio disciples. We're going to make it a huge four or five days on the road. So I'm not sure how we're going to deliver the podcast. It might be over a series of days. We're going to be recording live from 
the San Siro, then the Giovanni Zini, the Artemio Franchi, and then the Diego Armando Maradona. So make sure you keep an eye on your alerts, whatever platform you're using, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and plenty more. Well, hopefully we'll get some footage as well. So if you're in one of those cities on any of those dates, the 8th, 9th, 10th, or 12th of October, make sure you write to us on Twitter, leave a direct message, a DM, and we will try and respond. Looking forward to our Match Day 9 Lega Football Calcio Tour of Serie A and the UEFA Champions League. That's all we've got time for on the Lega Football Podcast. We say grazie. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks going out to David Windsor, who contributed yet again, one of the Serie A football commentators for the World Feed. You can find him at David T. Windsor on Twitter. You can find Andy Wallace, also known as Chiacerata Calcistica on Twitter. To all the fans, to all those involved with all levels of Italian football, keep going strong. Andiamo avanti insieme. To all those putting out the podcast, we really appreciate your work as well. Signori, signori, Thanks for joining us. That's all from me, your host, David Farini. Ci sentiamo. This is Lego Football.